If you're a California conservative, a libertarian, a moderate Democrat, believe in common sense, or just a sane person, this is the political podcast for you. It's the California Underground Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Thanks for tuning in for another episode of the California Underground. My name is Phil. I'm your host. As always, Friday afternoons, we talk about what's going on in California, some of national news, but mostly we focus on California and what's going on here in California politics. Uh, and it's been a crazy couple of years. So if this is your first time tuning in, thank you so much for tuning in. It's a great pleasure to have you. Uh, a lot to talk about this week because there is a new challenger who threw their hat into the ring when it comes to the gubernatorial race, which looks like it might go to an actual recall election. Um, so we might have a recall. Looks like very likely we're going to have a recall coming up. We have a new challenger and we're going to talk about a blast from the past and some lessons moving forward uh, from this uh, old celebrity. You may not know who he is. Uh, his name is Sonny Bono. So we're going to talk a little bit about him and how the rise of more Sonny Bonos is going to happen here in the state of California. But as always, we get started with our out of the gate monologue. The left spent all of 2020 banging the drums and screaming from the rooftops about the incredible severity of COVID-19. They made it out to be the next Spanish flu of 1918. Now, I'm not saying that it is not deadly and it's not harmful and it's not hurting people uh, or people are dying from it. Uh, but in the beginning, there were some over-exaggerations. There were overestimates showing that by the end of 2020, we were going to have at least 2 million dead. Um, and there was a lot of other hysteria and over exaggerations that kind of muddied the waters, which is what I'm going to talk about. Now, of course, there is the reality of COVID-19, which is that it is a deadly disease to some people. However, 2020 has been and will always be marked as the year of COVID-19 and how it played into the politics of the 2020 election. So COVID-19 conveniently helped the left by politically placing all of this fear and hysteria and over-exaggeration at the feet of President Trump. Now they ginned up so much fear that people will literally not go outside for any reason for fear that they will accidentally walk into a floating cloud of COVID and instantly drop dead, which again is an over-exaggeration has not been shown to happen. Now, this was all well and good for 2020 because it helped the left bend a lot of rules and a lot of laws to their will, whether it was changing voting laws to universal mail-in ballots or printing trillions of dollars for some assistance, but mostly pet projects. COVID was the gift that kept on giving. However, the tables have now turned on the left. President Biden is now at the helm and the House and the Senate are both democratically controlled. Democrat governors in blue states cheered as they believed they would finally make some headway in the fight against COVID now that their guys in the Oval Office. However, the shimmer on the Biden administration is wearing off rather quickly. After all, backtracking on his promise that he had a secret plan to crush the virus, which, by the way, if you knew in 2020 and had a plan to crush the virus, why did you not share it with the American public while people were dying? Seems kind of selfish. President Biden came out and said there was, was really nothing he can do to change the trajectory of the virus. This was just a couple weeks ago. So much for his crushing the virus. 
Now, another issue is direct help to Americans. Biden and Democrats promised they would send out $2,000 checks immediately if they elected Ossoff and Warnock to the Senate in Georgia. It's been several weeks and we're no closer to any Biden bucks. And the White House is now even backtracking on the math by saying the checks will really be 1400 not 2000 even though most of their campaign ads and advertising and marketing material said $2,000 checks showing checks in the amount of $2,000. Even Bernie Sanders slammed Biden when they proposed lowering the income qualifications for Biden bucks by saying more people would have qualified under President Trump's standards than President Biden's. Now, in Sanders' own words, brilliant. A vaccine rollout has been a mess as well. Vaccines that Kamala Harris said she would not trust because it was developed under the Trump administration. Her fear mongering and mockery scared people from taking the vaccine. And now they're turned around on one aid to beg people to get the vaccine. Who is in line and what position they are is all over the map. Here in California, cannabis workers can go ahead of law enforcement because they're in a higher tier. Some counties are allowing 65 and over, while others are only allowing 75 and over. Follow-up appointments for a second dose are hard to come by because Biden emptied the cabinets to get as many doses to the states as possible. And Governor Newsom has been slammed for not working with counties close enough on rollout and even wasting some of these vaccines and supplies. The reason this is a problem going forward for the left is that they've opened Pandora's box on COVID, and now they can't close the box and put the demons back in. For example, here locally in San Diego, the court sent out a request for 600 potential jurors to show up for jury duty. Now, this is normal, of course. They usually send out lots and lots of jury duty summons because they need a whole bunch of people to show up. They pull from those certain amount of people. Uh, There's a whole process, but they need a lot of people to show up. Now, you want to know how many people actually showed up? 50. That's a less than 10% return. Now, jury trials are protected as a right in our Constitution, yet people aren't showing up to court to actually serve jury duty. Why? Because the left spent all of 2020 scaring the absolute hell out of people. People would rather risk having a warrant being issued for not showing up to jury trial than dropping dead of COVID, even if there's numerous safety measures in place to make sure that doesn't happen. So what happens to all these trials that are protected by the Constitution that can't go forward? Does a prisoner rot in jail because no one shows up for jury duty? These are questions we have to face, and I don't think the left thought about it. Now, if we're applying President Trump's standards to Governor Newsom, he is now responsible for the most deaths and cases of any state in the country. Yet he likes to pat himself on the back for opening a vaccine site here and there. Governor Newsom cannot both shirk the responsibility of the negatives while trumpeting his own positives. You must take the good with the bad. So the longer we slog into 2021, the farther in the rearview mirror President Trump will be. He will no longer be the boogeyman the left loved to blame everything on. It will only be President Biden. So slow rollouts of vaccines, stalled stimulus checks, no plan to reopen schools fully. They are all responsibility of President Biden. The damage the left has done is not instantly reversible. And this will have unintended consequences, not only for this year, but probably after it. As businesses and schools look to reopen and society tries to return to some form of normalcy, the left will have to work overtime to try and assuage citizens that will be okay when even a year ago they were saying that the sky was falling. However, I don't think that they thought that part through when they used it last year for their own political gain. So 
This will come back to bite them in the rear, mark my words. So I guess we could all just sit back and watch and enjoy as they try to struggle with the demons or the monster they've created and see how they handle it. So it is interesting to me that we are seeing now uh, the layover of the fact that there are a lot of people out there who are still very scared to do a lot of things, which is understandable. There are a lot of people who are very scared. Not to mention, when it comes to jury duty, there are a lot of people who are older who show up to jury duty. But that was something when I heard it, I thought was pretty shocking to think that only 50 people showed up out of 600 jury summons. So it is pretty interesting to see how this is going to play out, what's going to happen with schools, what's going to happen with sports. There's going to be a lot of unintended consequences. And I think the problem is when you ratchet up a lot of fear and you make it seem like President Trump doesn't have a handle on anything or, or, or you can't instantly flip the light switch. And maybe President Biden knows that. Maybe President Biden doesn't really know what's going on, which is more like it. But at the same time, I don't think the left really realized that they've made their bed and now they have to lie in it, that they've made it this big, scary thing to scare people away from Trump. But now it's still a big, scary thing to a lot of people. And now President Biden's in charge. So now he's responsible for it. And it's something I think they're going to have to grapple with. And now because they don't have this boogeyman, they don't have this scary, you know, orange man bad out there that they can blame everything on. It's going to be a lot harder. And, and people are going to start turning around going, wait a second. Now you're seeing people even on the left and Democrats say, wait a second, President Biden promised that we would have $2,000 checks. Now he's going back on saying we're only getting $1,400 checks. And you might not even qualify for the $1,400 checks. So there's a lot of things that I think they uh, overpromised and they're so far under delivering when it comes to 2021 so far uh, in the young Biden administration. Definitely young in terms of years, not young in terms of who's in office. So Moving on to California local news, John Cox, the former gubernatorial candidate from, uh, I believe here in La Jolla, has announced that he will be throwing his hat into the ring to run for governor of the state of California. Uh, I will say this about John Cox. When I heard this news, I was very upset. And if you follow me on Instagram, California Underground, you saw that I posted a meme about it, that I was not happy that I was like Michael Scott screaming out. No, please, God, no, don't throw your hat into the ring. A lot of people think John Cox did a good job in 2018. I don't know why they think he did a good job in 2018. I thought he was a weak candidate. I thought he was very uncharismatic. Um, he obviously didn't have the fight in him like someone like a Travis Allen. So. I don't think he's a good choice or he's a good person to even be in the race. He hasn't proved that he got close the last time. Some people I saw were posting, well, he did get 40% of the vote or 38% of the vote, which means that he got clobbered by 22 points by Gavin Newsom. It doesn't mean that he was close and, you know, maybe the tides have changed. Maybe Newsom's not that popular anymore. Maybe he's coming off a recall. Maybe John Cox actually has a shot this time. John Cox lost by 22 points. Just keep that in mind, 22 points. Now, the other thing I hear from a lot of people is, well, what if they cheated? What if Gavin Newsom cheated? You know, Dominion voting, da da da, da. And I, 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 my only reply to them is, Gavin Newsom didn't need to cheat when it came to John Cox. That's how bad of a candidate John Cox really was. 
He was that bad that he slaughtered him by 22 points, and he didn't really have to put up much of a fight. Newsom sort of glided and, and skated right into the governorship. For example, one of the things that, that always bothered me about what happened in 2019 when it came to John Cox and Gavin Newsom was the fact that uh, Gavin Newsom would not agree to a televised debate. Think about that. You're running for governor of one of the biggest states in the country. Pretty much every single state will televise their gubernatorial race, the two people who are running for governor. Gavin Newsom said, eh, I'm good. I'm not going to actually do a debate, let alone a televised debate. So it wasn't until John Cox, I think, was able to convince him, well, what if we just did a radio debate? So they did a radio debate, which, what are we, in the 1920s and 1940s where we're all going to gather around the radio? So they did this radio debate. I don't think anyone really tuned in. It's also hard to really get into a debate. We're so used to televised debates and seeing people's body languages and what they look like and how they react and uh, just watching the whole scene unfurl. So it's kind of hard to listen to it on radio and understand really what's going on. There's a lot of subtle clues you can pick up from a debate that you can see. I mean, obviously, the most famous is the uh, Richard Nixon versus JFK, where JFK actually did not do well, but because he looked better, he they said people said he won the debate. I wouldn't say that John Cox going up against Gavin Newsom would, quote, look better, but there's those subtle cues. I mean, the primary gubernatorial race was televised and there was a lot of shots at Gavin Newsom because everyone knew he was the front runner. Uh, the famous Travis Allen line of you, how can you trust if you can't trust Gavin Newsom with your wife, how can you trust him with your state? And that got a lot of uh, social media buzz. But that's just one example. I, I don't remember him fighting for the votes in the cities where he needs to skim away a lot of those votes. I don't remember him taking the fight to Gavin Newsom. I remember he basically got the nomination and ran away. And I don't remember where he was. He was in the Central Valley. And I talked a little bit about this on Instagram Live this week. It's this idea that when you're running for office, it's a numbers game. And you have to look at who you're trying to get. I mean, that's all elections are. Elections are, there are a certain amount of people out there. I'm trying to get X amount of people to vote for me. And if I get X amount of people to vote for me and turn out for me, I could win this race. And when you look at that, a simple idea of looking at all the people in your area, in this case, California, you have to look at statewide. There's this idea of breaking all the voters down into three categories. Saints, sinners, and savables. So you look at these three categories. There are the sinners, the people who will never, ever vote for you. They don't care if the person that they support or the party that they support is God awful. They don't care. They will never support you because you're just not that you're part of the GOP or they just don't like you or whatever. They're the sinners. You never want to go out and try and get the sinners. You never want to try and waste time on the sinners. And in fact, you actually don't even want to try and activate them in the sense of you don't want to accidentally send them a mailer to make them think of you and then go, oh, you know what? I really hate this guy. I'm going to go vote for the other guy. Your saints are your people who are going to vote for you no matter what, which is understandable. People who are part of your party, people who have voted for your party in the past four elections. Those are called like super voters. 
people that you know are going to vote for you because you're part of that party. Those are the saints. You don't have to really worry about them. You can count on them to show up. It's just really you got to get them out to vote. The savables are the people in the middle. The savables are the people who may be independent. Maybe they haven't voted. Maybe they're not really part of a party or not, but you can see that maybe your message resonates with them. Maybe polling data has showed that like these are the issues that are really important to them. So you can base a whole campaign on that idea of, okay, well, I'm going to reach out to these people. How does this relate to 2018 and John Cox? I don't think John Cox, based on what he did, 2018 shows that he can win enough of his saints and his savables to get across the finish line to become a governor of California. He didn't try and go and pick off votes in the city. He didn't try and say, okay, well, I know these are areas that are not usually popular Republican, but I could probably scrape a couple votes up here and there. And that's what someone's going to need to do here in California. I've talked about it really ad nauseum about the fact that Democrats hold the 49% voter registration advantage. They hold that advantage and you have to create a coalition if you're ever going to beat them. You have to create a coalition of Republicans, independents, and pull Democrats away. And this is one of those elections where there is a good chance you could do it. This is a very good chance for a candidate to come along who can actually build that coalition. And I don't think John Cox is that guy. I don't think he's charismatic. I don't think he knows how to rally the base. He's not very exciting. I think people were just excited that we, there was actually a Republican on the ballot for governor in, in California, which is weird for a jungle primary. But at the end of the day, I, I don't think he's a good candidate. And the fact that he was a bad candidate in 2018, people say, well, he's got name recognition. Yeah, he's got name recognition because somehow he got on the ballot and he ran. That doesn't mean he's a good candidate. It just means he has name recognition. So I, I'm disappointed. I, I don't know how it's going to go from here. I hope not too many people muddy up the waters and create a situation where if there's too many Republicans, they split and fracture the vote. And then, you know, we have an issue where the Republicans can't even get on the ballot because of a jungle primary. And then we have Newsom going over uh, against somebody else. So that's, that's an issue that I'm worried about. I'm not happy about John Cox, but the real issue is in the next thing, is whether or not it will be 2022 or we'll see a sooner special election for recall. As it has been reported widely, uh, the signatures to recall Gavin Newsom, supposedly they have hit officially, uh, not by the Secretary of State, by their own validation, their consulting firm, that they've actually hit the number 1.5 million to get a recall going. It's a big deal. Got past that finish line, but you still want to keep going. You want to get to at least 2 million because you want to get enough people who are duplicates. You want to make sure that if they try any funny business and signature verification, which now all of a sudden I'm sure the left will absolutely love signature verification and checking all these signatures and making sure they're real people uh, and real voters as opposed to normally. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, but that's why you want to get the 2 million. You want to get the 2 million because you want to give yourself that cushion. And the Republican National Committee, I saw this article today, they have jumped into the fray and I have sent $250,000 to the recall effort. Uh, I'll post the full link for you to read in the show notes so you can go look at that. 
Uh, and that's a big deal. The fact that the RNC is really getting into it, it seems like it's really building a lot of momentum. And we're probably about a month away, a couple days or probably a little bit more than a month away from uh, the date that they're supposed to get it in. So I think there's a good chance they get a lot more signatures to give themselves that cushion. But it does not look good for old noodles. And the fact that he will not, he'll probably go against the recall. So it doesn't look good for him. I, President Biden came out and supported him, which didn't really help his cause at all. Um, so we're recalling Gavin Newsom. That's what it looks like. I have a good feeling about it. I have a good feeling that this is the momentum. I think a lot of people are very angry at Gavin Newsom. He hasn't done a really good job. So he's he's going to get recalled, in my opinion. He's absolutely going to get recalled. Uh, and then it'll, that's when things will get interesting. So this last article I want to talk about is a pretty interesting article because it's about, and the title is called, How the Political Rise of Sonny Bono is Happening Again in California. If you're not familiar with Sonny Bono, Sonny Bono was married to Cher. You probably know who Cher is. She's still around. Um, Sonny Bono and Cher, they were a married couple. They had a, su- a show called the Sonny and Cher Comedy Hour. Very popular in the 60s and 70s. They had the very popular song, I Got You, Babe. Um, I think if if you watch Groundhog Day, it's the song that keeps playing on the radio. It's I Got You, Babe. Um, I think so. Maybe. Don't fact check me on that, but I think it's the, the song that plays on there. So Sonny Bono, after he was done being uh, a celebrity and a singer and he had split with his wife Cher at the time, he settled in Palm Springs and he wanted to do a, a sort of quiet semi-retirement in Palm Springs. Um, and a lot of celebrities at that time had retired to Palm Springs. So the story goes that after noticing there was no decent Italian restaurant in the city, he and a business partner by the name of E.G. Stinky, Stinky, told him that he should open up his own restaurant. So Bono, Bono, uh, not Bono from YouTube, but Bono, he went out and he wants to build a restaurant. Here's the issue. He was sandbagged by the Palm Springs City Council uh, at the time. The reason that the Palm Springs City Council did not want to help him, even though he was Sonny Bono, he was a famous celebrity at that time. It was made up of all developers and real estate people, and they didn't really like Bono trying to add a big name marquee restaurant built on Star Power on a prime piece of property surrounded by their resorts. So the article says, beginning in the early 1980s, Bono was mysteriously denied permits, had delayed construction due to unusual regulations, while others could just build similar buildings without them and had to fight tooth and nail for licenses. And to Bono, they were the ones holding him back. And Bono goes on to say, the mayor and our city council is made up of contractors and real estate people. Bono said of the council in 1988, it's important that you don't place your personal gain before the gain of the community. You have to be ethical to the overall goal of the community. We've got council people that are selling land like Eli Beerer. I'm either going to run against Mayor Boger or Eli Beer. They're big real estate moguls. Our convention center was brokered by them. You can't be impartial on something like that. Uh, so he continued to pour money into the restaurant, tried to get it open. Um, and it's continued for many, many years. So basically he had a decision to make and this was in around 1988. He had a couple options, which is he could try and keep going and hope that it would change and they would all of a sudden start giving him permits. 
Um, he could either walk away. He could say, I'm not going to do this anymore. I give up. Or the third and final option, which is he could go make the change himself. So he took the third option and he decided to run for mayor in 1988. Uh, Arkell goes on to say, well, his name recognition and celebrity status didn't hurt. He ran on a campaign of bringing business back to Palm Springs and capitalizing on its fame by bringing in low risk endeavors like a film festival. So his opponents, mainly developers, couldn't keep up in a record breaking turnout of voters. The Republican Bono won in a landslide, getting twice as many votes as his next closest opponent. After coming to the stage to accept the position to the Rocky theme, Bono gave a speech that pretty much defined why he ran in the first place. He says, quote, wow, I can't believe it. The city goes back to the people. They made us too mad, gave us too many kicks, and that's the last thing we're going to take. It's a wonderful American thing that just happened. If they can do that to me, just imagine how the ordinary person is treated who wants to start a business. We're trying to encourage business here, not chase it away. I have a big investment in the city. I don't want to see it deteriorate or decline. Uh, So he went on to go on and do a couple other things. Uh, He only served one term uh, and left at 1992, but then he ran for Congress in 1994. But the thing to remember, okay, and he was also a Republican, mind you. So a lot of people would automatically assume, well, he's a celebrity, so he's probably a Democrat. No, actually, he was a Republican. He was a big Reagan fan. Uh, there's pictures of him with Reagan. Uh, also, in 19, around 1994, when he was elected to Congress, uh, once he was elected what was called the Republican Revolution back then. So if you remember, 1994 was the Republican Revolution where they regained control the house for the first time in in several decades it was a long time that republicans had not controlled congress uh sonny bono was part of that republican revolution and he actually was able to get speaker newt gingrich to come to southern california to help with some natural resources and protection of the environment He also was an advisor to many Republicans in the House, particularly Newt Gingrich, who now faced unprecedented public relations issues after the 94 elections. Noticing that they were being treated as celebrities, Bono helped them set up to be dealt with as such as the media, saving them countless times from public ridicule in the 90s. Bono goes on to say, you're a celebrity now. The rules are different for celebrities. I know it. I've been there. I've been a celebrity. I used to be a bigger celebrity, but let me tell you. You're not being handled right. This is not political news coverage. This is celebrity status. You need handlers. You need to understand what you're doing. You need to understand the attitude of the media toward celebrities. Interesting. Interesting prophesizing back then. Sonny Bono really kind of nailed it back then that Republicans didn't really understand how to handle the media, which I think now they still really don't know how to handle the, the media and promote themselves. So he'd be a lot more helpful if he was still alive today. I'm sorry if I spoiled the ending. He died uh, in a, I think it was 1998. He died in a skiing accident. So uh, tragically. So uh, what was it? Yeah, 1998. He tragically died in a skiing accident in Nevada. Anyway, the point of the article is, and it goes on to say, bonus rising to politics, particularly starting local elections and now being seen again in 2021. Fatigue from Governor Gavin Newsom's COVID-19 restrictions, particularly by small businesses and other groups primarily affected by the COVID-19 lockdown, is sparking similar political change. Change wasn't seen as much in the 2020 elections, largely because COVID-19 still lacked a widespread vaccine. 
Together, during the fall of 2020, a large spike in cases precipitated more restrictions. The focus on the presidential election played a factor as well. But there were some election results sparking up because of it, most notably the Stockton mayoral election where a security company manager and pastor, Kevin Lincoln, defeated incumbent Mayor Michael Tubbs with small business issues on top of his concerns. Anger over COVID-19 and business restrictions statewide are also dominating at the state level right now, as well driving the now probable recall election against Governor Gavin Newsom. Many local 2021 races are also seeing non-politician business owners running for office this year, some already declaring for 2022 races. As with Bono in 1988, the anger over business restrictions has hit a crucial boiling point. Some even have the financial backing and name recognition Bono had. People running because they're mad at something isn't new, even among more business-savvy candidates, but the specific anger over business restrictions and regulations is beginning to eerily parallel Bono's rise to public office in the late 1980s, as well as other business owners spurred by governments such as radio star Pappy O'Donnell when he ran for and became governor of Texas in 1938. Bono showed that what could happen if you restricted business owners in California too much in 1988, the governor's COVID-19 restrictions in 2020 and 2021, are now simply showing it's beginning to happen again in local governments. So the reason I brought the story up, and I think it's interesting, is because I hear from a lot, a lot from different people that are interested in running for office here in California. And I keep advising or telling people, if you want to run for office, you don't have to run for governor. Not everybody has to run for, we don't need 103 people running for governor, okay? There are people who I think are qualified to run for governor. I think there are people who have the backing and the know-how to play the game. Governors, a governor race is a big deal. But in this case, Sonny Bono saw a problem in his local community and the city council. So what did he do? He ran for local office because it changed his local, uh, his local situation. And I keep saying this. I know that... Uh, People are probably getting sick of this. Maybe they're not getting sick of it, but maybe people are really getting sick of the fact that I keep saying, if you want to make real change in California, there are plenty of people who are well-qualified who can run and win local election seats. If you are upset, if you're mad about how things are going in your county, in your city, where you are, you can run for these positions. They are always looking for people to run for these positions. And the change, you'd be surprised at how much change you can actually enact. Look at what Sonny Bono did. He broke this monopoly of power in Palm Springs with real estate developers and big real estate guys by winning and being really well supported. And he was able to then kind of bring a little bit more small businesses back kind of make it a little bit more friendly, not all about resorts. He was able to introduce the film festival, which I don't know if the film festival is still going. But the point is he made the change. He was the change that he wanted to see. He just wanted to open a little decent Italian restaurant in Palm Springs. And these real estate developers were just bullies and say, well, you can't do that because this is this is how things work. We're the insiders. You're the outsider. We don't care that you're Sonny Bono. We just, we're going to do whatever we want. So, The point of this article is, is if you are someone who is out there and you are listening to this right now, if you are angry and you are upset, and there's a lot of people out there who are very upset about what's going on 2020, 2021 and COVID, not only with businesses, with schools, with youth sports, but everything that's going with churches, 
you have to get involved and you have to see what you can do to get involved locally because you could find out you have a big impact and you could have a big change in your community. If you're not happy with how your county supervisors are doing things, then it's important that maybe you go and you run for a county supervisor position. It's tough, but you can do it. And it's not usually a sexy position. People think these aren't really sexy positions. They want to run for governor because they want, they think if you run for governor, I'll get a lot of followers. I'll get a lot of notification and I'll feel good. I could put it on my, my resume that I ran for governor. But if you really want change, instead of going for the one in a million shot at running for governor, run for the small offices, run for the small offices, run for city council. If you live in a small town in California and you want to see change, there's a good chance you could run for city council and actually win. You could become mayor of a smaller town in California. Is it harder to become mayor of a big town like San Diego or LA? Absolutely. It takes a little bit more finessing. Sometimes you have to be in the arena a little bit longer. But the city council in a lot of big cities, not necessarily, you don't have to be a politician. There are people on our city council who were not politicians before they got onto city council. And now they've been vested with enormous power and what to do with our local community. So what I'm hoping is, is that people who are out there, people who follow this, this podcast, who follow me on Instagram, listen to this story about Sonny Bono. Sonny Bono didn't set out because he wanted to become governor and get all this fame and fortune. Sonny Bono just wanted to open his restaurant. And maybe it's because he was already a celebrity and he didn't need the fame and all that attention. He was already a, a pretty wealthy celebrity. So he just wanted to live like a quiet semi-retirement life in Palm Springs. But either way, he just wanted to open a restaurant. He saw an issue and he got involved. And that's even more important. If you don't feel like someone who says, well, I don't really want to run for office. I'm too busy or, you know, I like my job too much. I don't want to be on any of these things. Of course, there's a lot of positions out there that don't require you to quit your job. There's a lot of positions that won't really require you to give up your life, but you could still have a good amount of uh, impact. School board is one thing that comes to mind. If you want to have some sort of impact on kids schooling and their lives, run for school board. But the point is you can get involved in a number of ways in California. If more people take this lesson and they take this idea that they could make change happen, things will turn around in California. It's a grassroots effort to do it. And not every race is going to be super sexy, but it's a grassroots effort to get it done. And you will see the change. You will see the change. I promise you that you will start to slowly see as local politics changes and people are happy with the way things are going when these local politics changes, you slowly start to change the name of the game. You start to change districts. You start to change voter behavior. You start to change how people view one party or another. Okay. You start to change people who say, well, you know, I was always voting for Democrat, but you know, I'm, I'm upset with Gavin Newsom. And I think I might vote for this moderate Republican for governor. Or if it's a local race, you might say, well, you know, these local Democrats haven't really been helpful. My business has been shut down forever. I'm going to take a look at this Republican who wants to open and bring my kids back to school. Those things change voter behavior. And they may vote for that Republican or they may vote for somebody else. And they may say, hey, I like what this Republican did. I'm going to keep voting Republican. 
See how those little things add up and change? If we're all focused on one position, it's not going to change anything because, you know, some people have a better chance of being governor than somebody else. But you may have a really good chance of running for state assembly. You may have a really good chance of being on the county supervisor. You may have a really, really good chance of flipping a seat in a city council and making a city council go from maybe it's three, two Democrats to now it's three, two Republicans and changes the whole tenure of your city. So those are the things that I want people, if you're listening out there and you know people who are frustrated and they want to get involved, tell them this lesson, tell them this lesson that if you want things to get better and you want to change things enact change locally, because that creates a ripple effect. Okay. That creates a ripple effect. Not only that, look at what happened to Sonny Bono after he was mayor. And he then ran for Congress and then he became a congressman. Who's to know that your next step isn't after you ran for a local office? It isn't something bigger like state assembly or it's Congress or something like that, where you have even more of an impact. But you have to start somewhere and you have to start locally. And that's really the lesson of Sonny Bono. I encourage you to read this article. It's a pretty interesting article about Sonny Bono um, and his rise in California politics. And it looks like he probably had a good chance of running for governor of California and probably winning governor of California, um, which could have maybe changed the trajectory of California. If you think about it back in the early two thousands, if he was a Republican governor in California, he may have been able to change what a California Republican looks like. But at the end of the day, we sadly didn't have that. Uh, He did pass away way before his time. So with that, I'm going to finish up for today because I want to really get to this story and talk about that. The recall effort, if you know people who have not signed, get them to sign, get them to tell other people who haven't signed to keep signing. We have like a month left. Keep pushing. We need that huge cushion so that they can't play any funny games and be like, ah, you know what? You came a hundred thousand short because we invalidated a bunch of signatures. Can't let that happen. So got to keep the pressure up. Um, Keep the pressure up. Make that local, maybe volunteer, reach out, see if you can volunteer. Otherwise, if you're looking to get into politics, look into local seats, reach out to your your county, maybe your county Republican party and say, hey, I'm raising my hand. I want to be involved and I want to be a part of this and I want to see what I can do to change things. All right. So with that, as always, uh, Coffee in California Politics every Wednesday morning at uh, nine o'clock. Bring your coffee and your conversation topics. We chat about a whole bunch of things. Uh, Every Friday afternoon, this podcast comes out. Subscribe, like, review, send it to friends, let people know about it. The more we share it, the better it gets. And uh, if you ever have any questions or you want something to be discussed on the show, you can email me at californiaunderground at protonmail.com. Leave me a voice message at uh, anchor.fm forward slash California underground. Follow me on Instagram at California underground, and I will see you on the next one.
Thank you for listening to another episode of California Underground. If you like what you heard, remember to subscribe, like, and review it. And follow California Underground on social media for updates as to when new episodes are available. 